0: It was a beautiful Saturday morning. The sun shone brightly with the summer breeze gently carrying the heat of the season to come. The kind of day you would wish for a vacation by the seaside. So just like that, we decided to treat ourselves to some time off the grid. Nothing special about the decision, except that only four months earlier, life as I knew it had taken a wild turn. On the New Year's Eve of 2019, the C-bomb had been dropped on me from seemingly nowhere. Until that fateful 31st December evening, New Year had meant little to me. But suddenly, the words thyroid carcinoma on the report I was holding in my hands dreaded to change everything I knew and didn't know about the year to come. But if I did know one thing, I knew that... For the sake of my then five-year-old son, I had to keep it together, and more than that to never let him feel the severity of the condition. Hence, looking myself, meaning dressing a certain way, wearing my hair a certain way, was mandatory, no matter how I felt on the inside. Truth be told, it was a facade. Although I had an amazing army of healthcare practitioners and a super supportive family, my mind went overdrive every breathing moment with worries about the future. My nights were consumed with memories of the consulting sessions with oncologists and oncosurgeons, all suggesting the same prognosis, which was good as it meant it was a standard operating procedure and bad as it meant that there was no escaping surgery or therapy. So just two weeks after my world collapsed with the deadly news, I underwent a six-hour surgery for removal of my entire thyroid gland, rendering me dependent on thyroid synthetics for the rest of my life, followed by a radioactive iodine therapy just four weeks later, which put me in complete isolation, tearing me away from the very support I needed from my loved ones. And my body made me realize, in ways more than one, that I had changed. I was rapidly losing weight, my hair fell off, I had a frozen shoulder from excessive nerve handling during surgery, and my breathing capacity had shrunk drastically. So, as I stood in front of the mirror that Saturday morning, door-trying my hair and readying for this short vacation, something unusual happened. In the mirror, I saw the girl I knew for 34 long years. The girl who after doctors estimated an 8 month crutch assisted period after a severe tibia accident walked on her legs unassisted in just 4 months. The girl who in the 7th month of her pregnancy had to pay the last rites to her mother. The girl who was feisty, who never took no for an answer and who never gave up upon herself. And a realization dawned upon me. I was still in there, in that body. In that soul, the disempowering identity and label of cancer patient, the stigma attached to it, the sympathetic and pitiful outlook of people, had buried me deep down myself. I had gotten in my own way of self-discovery and healing. I had become my own worst enemy. And I knew that for me to stay true to my promise, to myself, my kid and my loved ones, I had to accept and let go. It was in that moment that I embarked upon a spiritual journey. To go one step ahead, I had to go two steps within. And every time I did, I felt more connected, more empowered and less fearful. To think that I could have flipped my cancer story to a positive one. To have had one of the best years of my life, travelling the world, becoming a better version of myself, loving more deeply and forgiving more freely, without the spiritual awakening, is disregarding life itself.
1: And that, my dear friends, is the story so far of Pranjali from Pune. I welcome you to 100Years.in by Radio Room Podcasts. My name is Amar Kulkarni, and we are in conversation today with Pranjali. And hello, listeners. This is Amar here from 100Years.in by Radio Room Podcasts. You've heard this story narrated and, and brought in front of you by Pranjali, and I'm really happy. To have Pranjali with us here right away, right now, online. Hello, Pranjali, how's it going for you?
0: Hey, Amar, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. The rains are ensuring that I'm truly homebound. I think that's a blessing in disguise to uh, the COVID-induced homeboundness, if I can <laughs> say so, that we are being compelled to uh, have,
1: but right.
0: all's well, thank I you
1: like so much. COVID, COVID-induced homeboundness. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, I don't know sometimes. what to call it. Is- <laughs>
0: I don't know if there is any term for it. I think it's, it is now. Uh, it, it is now. <laughs> Agreed.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. I'm, I'm glad that we will spend some time at home. Uh, and uh, it's good to have you here. We are, we are really excited to hear <clears throat> a lot from you. The story that you narrated puts into perspective. And uh, in this conversation, we will unearth and uncover more what you have in mind. But I'm gonna start off with the first question that I ask everyone. What does India mean to you?
0: What does India mean to me? Uh, Okay, you know what, as much as I would like to think of an answer that sounds fancy, Mm. to me, it really just means home. There are so many variations of what home mean to so many people, but for me, it just means being in a country, being in a place that's really, truly 100% mine. It's Mm. something I own it's something Mm -hmm. that owns me, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's something that allows me to be the highest, truest, perhaps expression of myself, Mm -hmm. and what I could be. Mm -hmm. But again, with that, uh, Amar, what I also want to say is sometimes it's also heartbreaking, and it's a personal opinion, perhaps, but uh, I see the divide, you know, the cultural, the digital, the racial, societal, everything Mm -hmm. man-made again. Mm -hmm. And I think I struggle with that. I honestly struggle with that on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but now mm-hmm. that I'm a mother to a six year old, mm-hmm. uh, to help him understand why things are the way they are mm-hmm. is, is, I think um, a struggle for me still.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So India is like yeah. home, but you do experience that there are too many divides and, and you say you have that as your daily challenge because you experience it at several levels.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, metaphorically speaking, Mm. I would say it's like having a scab on a wound, Mm. a wound that Mm. is trying to heal itself, Mm. but the environment won't allow it to completely heal Mm. because it's just not conducive. It's not Mm. conducive for people to come together. And in Mm. terms of, again, going back to the wound metaphor, Mm. because the environment doesn't allow it to regenerate and grow naturally or organically as it could have. We force upon our judgment, we force upon, again, going back to the divides, we force Mm -hmm. upon so many things, Mm -hmm. which are uh, maybe time for us to wean off. Mm -hmm. But we will just hold on to them because traditionally, historically, Mm -hmm. we've been told to. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting metaphor when you when you talk about a wound and healing, because coming from you, I mean, you are a person that has this tremendous internal power in which you've healed Mm -hmm. yourself. And that itself is such a great story to know and, and and it's such an intrinsic part of your story and that is a very fascinating one. And when you have this metaphor to use for the nation, do you believe that we as a people could have that sense of strength to heal our nation from this wound even if the environment is saying otherwise?
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, thank you, Amar, for... Or touching base on the story, um, mm. I don't think it's an extraordinary story. I mm. truly believe that I'm a very ordinary woman mm. who did not really have an option but to <laughs> heal myself. Mm. So there's a lot of self healing. And mm. because we're speaking of India, I'll focus on India for now. Mm. I really do think that we all have this capacity to self heal. Mm. You know, COVID by itself, while mm. it's a pandemic and it's affected by and large every inch strata of the society has also shown to a great extent how nature healed itself. You mm. remember the time we were in lockdown when yep. there were literally no cars on yep. the road. People yep. were almost not there anywhere to be seen uh, mm. around. Mm. Nature literally healed itself to a degree that we had not experienced in the last yeah. century. Yeah. That speaks yeah. so much into the capacity mm. of the living and the consciousness, just yep. knowing what is its natural Homeostasis state, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I think, uh, be name-dropping all the medical terms I know. That's not intentional, guys. It's just something that's become second nature to me. But um, that that state of homeostasis, where mm-hmm. your body will find its equilibrium, nature mm-hmm. the country, the world mm-hmm. will find its mm-hmm. equilibrium if you allow it to. Mm-hmm. Which is why when I spoke about the divide, I purposefully called it man-made.
1: Right, 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 right. I, yeah. think, I think what you say is a very important, very simple, but very important point that we must allow it. You know, I think that's very important. Someone, when I was talking about performances, some, some point in time, someone gave me this idea saying, you know, start performing only when the audience is ready to receive it. You know, mm. Then it makes sense. And then I, I, I try when I'm on stage or doing any performance and I, or if I look at the great performances, I, I observe that aspect saying it's so important. And just like teaching, you know, somebody teaching must be employing the same saying: We must first make the audience or the student ready to receive that information. I think the same way what you said, that we do possess the ability to heal ourselves as a nation or as a people or as, as even individuals, but we must allow it. I think we must allow it. A, what you said is you put it in a very simple way, but it's an extremely powerful thing you said.
0: As a matter of fact, Amar, I have a beef eating quote, if I can just say so. Sure. And uh, because we just spoke about uh, the performance and the mm. audience being receptive mm. to that, mm. I forget if it's a Buddhist mm. quote or otherwise, mm. but mm. it goes something like this. Mm. When the student is ready, the mm. teacher appears.
1: Right, right. Right. right.
0: Right. What it really right. tells us that knowledge is everywhere. We have everything we need to get better, to do more, yeah. but we have to be ready for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. This is so cool. So the next question is the meat of the show that we put out 15th August 2047. India will celebrate 100 years of freedom and independence on that morning on the 15th of August 2047. What is the India that you imagine?
0: Okay, first things first, it's going to be super exciting. India after 100 years of independence, that moment in itself is yeah. going to be like burnt in our souls because yeah, we've been an oppressed country for so long. Yes. yes. And 100 years is a massive, massive milestone for all of yeah. us to have achieved. Yeah. With that said, the India that I imagine, and I mm. also know that I may mm. be sounding repetitive mm-hmm. because typically I'm assuming people univocally would have the same vision for India.
1: Yeah.
0: But I want, I see India to be truly united. Be and united. I'll just give you my definition of united. Because everyone, I'm sure, has there. Yeah. For me, united means true connectedness between people. And by that, I mean breaking barriers, breaking down, again, all of the man-made differentiations. uh, Anything that really creates one person separate than the other. Mm -hmm. I see all of these boundaries just melt away into nothingness.
1: Mm.
0: And there is a collective consciousness, if I can say so. Mm. And maybe it's a, it's a cumulative effort of multiple things. You know, it's not just one thing, a consciousness. When you speak of mindfulness, when you speak hmm. of something that is so evolved than what we're typically used to, hmm. it is of course, a culmination of multiple things. It's, the empowered mindset, we knowing what we want versus Mm. doing something as per what others want of us. Mm. We knowing a true superpower versus playing by the rules of what has been told to us. And there are so many more things. There's so Mm. many more things to it, but that's, Mm. that's the India I imagine to be
1: in itself. It's got a little bit of a thing. These are the things that need to evolve before we get there. And that, that evolution is possible.
0: hundred percent.
1: What do you think will be the biggest thing that will change? Like the one thing that you believe will definitely change. Like, you know, all of these might or might not happen. But the one thing that will surely change is this. What could that be?
0: It largely, Amar speaks into the same point. But uh, if I have to just give it a name, I would say it will be the humanness aspect and the mindset. Because right now, to a large extent, if you see, if I have to, for example, define myself, I will still use all of the labels, all of the identities that a society has uh, bestowed upon me. You know, I might define myself as a title that a company has bestowed upon me, something Mm. that my child calls me, something that Mm. I believe I am. Mm. But again, we have to know that all of the labels and the identities are just that. Mm. At the very core, we are humans first. And Mm. I think it's going to be a flip to Mm. how we perceive perceive ourselves as an individual right now in Mm -hmm. 2020 to Mm -hmm. what will happen in uh, 27 years hence to how we see ourselves you know we'll see ourselves as humans first Mm. which is where all of the things i spoke about you know the breaking of the boundaries the melting away of the barriers will Mm -hmm. come in place
1: so you think that we will definitely see ourselves as human that that aspect of us will certainly emerge right
0: I think so. Yes. And again, uh, we both know that that Mm. is how we started when the Mm. earth was created. If you believe Mm. in faith or not, Mm. the earth was created. Listen, guys, Mm. at some point in time, something happened. If it was a big bang you believe in, or if it was the God's touch that you believe in, whatever it is, science, spirituality, something in between. We all know that something happened for us to turn into the individuals and evolve Mm. people that we are today. Hmm. And that is where we started from. That is where we will go.
1: So we will see ourselves as humans, nevertheless, of what kind of conditions and and circumstances that the world will see in the next 25 years. It's interesting. Do you think there will be barriers to this or do you think this is an eventuality in 25
0: years? I definitely see barriers. Listen, I'm super practical. Hmm. If anything, life has shown me hmm. that you need hmm. to have a practical lens along hmm. with a very optimistic lens. So it has hmm. to be a good mix of the two. Mm. Uh, I think there are going to be barriers because uh, we have been brought upon a dogma that Mm. is so strong Mm. that we need to unpeel the layers of that dogma and we need Mm. to unlearn so many things before we see the brighter side, before we see the actual nakedness, rawness of things as they are. Hmm. So the barriers will be multiple, they can Hmm. take forms of people not wanting to let go of the religion that they are being told to adopt, people not wanting to uh, look at people uh, purely as, uh, you know, humans, but through a lens of the social strata. Hmm. I think that will still remain. And uh, Hmm. some people associated associate themselves very closely with all of these, you know, the mm. materialistic things, mm. uh, all of the religions and all of the casteism, everything mm. that you see is people mm. holding on to those beliefs. Mm. And if there's one thing I can say, beliefs are the most difficult to break. From my personal experience, I, mm. I had to break so many beliefs, even in mm. my self healing journey. My Mm. belief that, uh, you know, I had something in me that created cancer. I had Mm. to first unlearn that to Mm. appreciate that. No, I did not. Maybe it was a belief I was holding on to. It was a wrong belief to start off with. Yeah. If that was a wrong belief, then what is a new belief that I was Mm. open to? At least opening Mm. myself to adopting in my life. It's going to be similar. And I know it's rather simplistic as I say it. Mm. And it's going to be difficult to literally wrap your heads around it and to put a roadmap to getting there. Hmm. But um, if you're all willing, at the end of the day, there is hmm. nothing that we can't do. As they say, if you really set your mind out to do something, you can hmm. even move mountains. Yeah. This is still a barrier we're talking about.
1: Yeah. So you think that the mindset itself is the primary barrier, although eventually we will overcome that and, and, and have the newer mindset of accepting each other as humans. It is necessary for us to go through that turmoil of having to give up what we are not willing to leave. People are holding on to certain belief systems and finding it difficult to get out of those belief systems. Now, could there be a bit of thinking on why do people hold on to these things?
0: You want the honest answer?
1: Hmm? Because
0: we don't know what's on the other side. We are too afraid to take that leap of faith. Listen, for most of us, since the time we have been brought on this planet, uh, we have been fed on this appetite of this is what we should do. It's almost like a blueprint that has like a been yeah. Ins- yeah? inscribed into our brains, hearts and souls. And all we do for the rest of our lives is build onto that. Hmm. And because it's a blueprint, it hmm. kind of creates a foundation, which is by the way, good and bad. Good hmm. because it gives you a framework to live by. Hmm. And bad because in some cases, it puts this imaginary ceiling nice. around you that you nice. don't know how to break through. Right. Nice. And because you don't know what happens if you do break through, you want to Hmm. play small, you want to play in it. You want to just Hmm. play by the rules, Hmm. not Hmm. wanting Hmm. to try otherwise.
1: Hmm. That's That's my take
0: on it. And I I would love to hear yours.
1: (laughs) No, no, I, I agree with you in the first line that we don't know what's on the other side. And so there's a little bit of a lack of imagination. At the same time, there's probably a little bit of a fear of what they could possibly be. And I think it's a mix of all of these things that basically makes people hold on. And To some extent, I also believe it's a certain sense of comfort. I think a lot of people who are comfortable in what they are or where they are, don't ever feel the need to, uh, to look for these solutions. As someone I recently spoke to said that creativity comes from inconvenience. You know, it's only when you're mm. inconvenienced, the more you start creating things. This is probably what it is the moment Things like that become inconvenient, probably religious belief or social uh, fabric, a social construct, a social uh, idea, uh, tradition, uh, ritual, a symbolism, any of these things. I think a lot of people find comfort in it there. It's okay. And uh, they don't know better. (laughs) So it's a mix of all of these things. Not knowing what's on the other side is the biggest barrier. Your first line, I, I agree with that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, as you gave me that example, I just want Mm. to bring up a point, which Mm. is on self reflection and awareness. Mm. Because we are are just uh, content in the space we are in, Mm. with everything else said and done that we have the fear of the unknown, we don't know what's on the other side, Mm. we don't even know what the accountability mirror looks like. Mm. So what we see is a reflection of what we have been told to see. Right? Mm-hmm. We, don't see, we don't want to see the honest selves. We don't want right. to even know our honest selves. Right. And that is where the loss is. It, only if you hold your accountability mirror to yourself, right. you will know your honest most truth. And the right. day you know your truth, you'll yeah. want to change that for the better. I can right. promise you that.
1: Right, right. It, It's within us. There's not much we need to look outside. Yeah, great. Super. Thanks, Thanks for that answer. I have one more question that goes just after this. If there's one thing that you think that must definitely change, what would that be? There.
0: Mm, it's a loaded question, Amara. I have to just confess uh, before I attempt it. <laughs> okay. um, but I'll tell you what. Hmm. It has to be education, and education. we've been speaking elaborately about uh, mindset. Yeah. And we spoke about. We coming into this world as absolutely unjaded newborns Mm. and the blueprint is almost handed out to us as Mm. we go through lives and life's experiences, Mm. which is where I think education plays a key role. By the way, I'm not speaking of education as formalized education the way we know it only. Yeah. Absolutely, not just school. So I'm going to be amply clear about that. I'm talking of education in every shape, way, and form as we pass on knowledge from one generation to another.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. So the reason I say this is, um, it's a saying, and Hmm. it says to go one step forward, you Hmm. need to go two steps within. Hmm. What that really means is that you need to know yourself. You need to really understand what it is for you and your heart and your sp- soul or your spirit, whatever that you want to call it, mm-hmm. that really wants from you. Mm-hmm. Now, tying this back to the education piece, uh, all I'm trying to say is that what we are teaching our children today, what we are learning ourselves today through this mm-hmm. world, either it's simple things like media, what mm-hmm. we listen to on the mm-hmm. news Mm. is nothing but a form of education. Mm. We need to be very mindful of what we want our people to know. Mm. Right now, we are doing fear-based education, which is Mm. not cool at Mm. all. Mm. We sell fear right from the, if you have to commercially link this, Mm. we uh, sell fear to parents in form Mm. of education to start Mm. off with. You know, what if you don't uh, train your child on robotics? That's a (laughs) fear-induced scenario.
1: Yeah.
0: What we are doing with the media today is the same thing. The politically charged environment does the same thing. We are Hmm. either made to follow one party Hmm. with the fear of something else happening if we don't do the same. So again, it is dismantling the beliefs of uh, the education as we know it, Mm -hmm. but going back to our roots and ensuring that our children have all the tools, they have the know-how to the life skills as well. Okay. And what I'm really pointing at are the life skills Mm. to navigate life. Because let's be honest, Mm. even if you're the smartest kid on the block, even Mm. if you're the bravest on the block, Mm. you will have challenges. Yes. And what you need is a resilience, the willpower, Mm. all of the life skills that perhaps education has grandly missed. Mm. That is what we need the most. So, which is why start with the low hanging fruit for me, it Mm. would be education. Yes, bringing it in the school is the best bit. If Mm. you can rehaul your entire curriculum, the way Mm. it is now, Mm. structure it for 20 years, hence, structure Mm. it for 15 year, hence when, when the children of today that are five, six, seven years old, what Mm. will happen when they enter a workspace that will be AI driven, or that will be machine learning driven, or Mm. whatever you want to call it digitally driven. Mm. But they will still need some skills that are truly, truly just human possessed. No machine, right. no technology can right. ever replace us. We need to right. be very mindful of that and start yeah. from there. Yeah. The rest of everything I'm sure will fall in place.
1: Yeah. I think that point when you said that we need to add in something like life skills as part of the curriculum, as part of the education system, because when we say life skills, when we were kids, life skills was just pretty much swimming and, and being like a horse. <laughs> You know, like, oh you need to have a life skill, it meant you know how do you know how to swim or ride a horse. And I think it needs now it's expanding a little bit when you say life skills it comes to being able to navigate internet or cook or you know, maybe ride a bike or drive a car or whatever. But I think building life skills as in to, to build the ability to uh, handle human conflict amongst each other. I think if children are taught right from the beginning and and since we have that opportunity, it's hard to teach people who have much to unlearn and then learn on a larger macro scale. Eventually these people will grow up to be better, hopefully better at managing conflict as nations or as companies or as cities or whatever.
0: Absolutely. And uh, Amar, because you spoke about uh, children being more malleable than adults, Mm. I work in a space uh, in the e-learning space and we cater only to the corporates, which is the adult population of the world. And we do not cater to K-12, which is uh, the the education market, as Hmm. we know as kindergarten to twelve. Mm. And the anecdote I want to share is just that Mm. e-learning or learning came into being, which is ironical. Till this day, I find it ironical that Mm. you had to have a different function created Mm. in an organization Mm. to teach learning. Mm. The point Mm. is, we Mm. should be learning no matter what. We need not be told that learn this or learn that. Technical skills change technical skill, skills need to be taught. And, yes. and that's fine. You know, I, I would uh, put my dime on the fact that yes, you need to teach certain skills, which yeah. evolve year on year. Yeah, but you definitely don't need to tell people to learn a skill like communication or relationship building or trust building. I mean, come yeah. on. Isn't definitely. that how we started as a society?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that can, like I said before, also, why isn't that part of uh, life skills? You know, the ability to learn, if it can be taught to everyone saying at any given point of time, here are the tools you need when you want to learn anything at all, you know, mental tools or the confidence to say, oh, I am able to learn because I have, okay, what do you need for learning? You need focus, you need attention, you need X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. And if we can build that as life skills, saying everyone is capable of learning because that's just life skills. Like, oh, can you swim? Okay, that's good. Can you learn? Yeah, sure. We all can. Something like that.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You said it. You said it. And perhaps even we looking at what we term as ed- education, right? Mm. Because we are been societally conditioned to believe that education happens till a particular grade, till mm. high school or post-grad. Mm. And at least in our minds, we think that, oh, wow, now I'm an educated person. But mm. are we really educated? Mm. No, mm. that needs to be, mm. it needs a lot of uh, self-reflection uh, and introspection. Yeah. And that's the point I'm trying to
1: drive home. Okay. I say that the trend that you you followed right from the beginning and all of them goes, one very important part, which probably connects your persona also is that everything is self reflective. I think you strongly believe in everything can come through you Um, learning is through that uh, reflection of uh, seeing ourselves as human beings, uh, the awareness, the self reflection that you address. I think all of this uh, can be summarized in the quote that you said, you know, to go one step forward, you have to go two steps within it just taught me a couple of things that I can put my attention to and a huge amount of weight to yourself within. So thank you so much for that. Brings me to the last question, Pranjali. And uh, it's a very simple question. I ask everyone about what one thing would you start doing today that will add up to the change in 25 years?
0: Um, you summarize the conversation so well, Amar. And at the risk of repeating that ad nauseum, mm-hmm. it's going to be two things. One yeah. is self-reflection each mm-hmm. one of us needs to really granularly critically see how we are doing what we are doing is mm-hmm. that the kind of person you want to really be not just mm-hmm. for yourself but maybe mm-hmm. for the next generation if you have children then. if you don't have children just look around and see if that's the world you want to stay in mm-hmm. that's one mm-hmm. second is because i have a six-year-old as i mentioned. Um, yeah. Uh, I also mentioned this very briefly that education Mm. need not be formal education alone. It's what a child really marinates himself or herself in Mm. after the formal education, which is the home. Mm. Is the environment in the home conducive enough for the child to feel not just comfortable in his or her own skin, Mm. but to be able to express? to have the same curiosity that he or she came on the world with. Are you able to give them the answers, which are not perhaps what they want to hear, but sometimes sting you, but Hmm. they need to be said out loud. Uh, Hmm. It also means that you lead by example, even when it is difficult. It Mm. also means that you have to be the person that you want your child to perhaps emulate, but without expecting that of the child, which is where I think as parents, we have to walk the talk, but Mm. also be okay to let the child bloom into what he or she is supposed to or wants to. Right. So important. I think if all of us do that, Yes, I, I was just saying, uh, if all of us just do that, imagine we are talking about an entire generation, I'm not jo- not just generation, as you said, mm. on a macro level, mm. it's a ripple effect, it's a domino effect that mm. will happen everywhere, every mm. home, every house, mm. every individual. If mm. we start living by these principles, I'm mm. sure that the world will turn into something more beautiful mm. and perhaps what it was supposed to be. We, we speak yeah. about heaven This is heaven right here. We just need to open our eyes and see the reality.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think inherently the nature of man is such that it is through this turmoil and it is through this conflict that we will constantly be chasing that idea of completeness and that that idea of heaven. And beautiful what you said about self-reflection. Thank you so much for that. Super. So I'm going to summarize and then I already did the summary. So I'm going to end our conversation here by saying thanks to Pranjali for giving us her time, for giving us such a beautiful, beautiful motivating and inspiring story out of what she's done in a very simple way. And it's amazing the way you put it that, you know, you don't think it's anything extraordinary. It's just just another person that just overcome something by just some self reflection and just being very uh, mindful about it. It gives so much confidence. It gives so much hope. And I think it's uh, very, very important uh, just by being who you are. You don't have to do anything. So thank you so much, Pranjali. It was a real pleasure having this conversation with you. And I hope our listeners also had a lot of fun on this episode of 100Years.in. So thanks, Pranjali. Uh
0: Thank you, Amar, for having me. This was an amazing conversation. It, uh, as I said, you know, to go one step ahead, I have to go two steps within, it took me three steps within because every single Mm. time that you say something aloud that has Mm. been your personal learning, Mm. it's a privilege to be able to share that. And if anyone is able to take away even 1% (laughs) of what we spoke and (laughs) apply it to his or her life, just for the (laughs) fun of trying out how it feels Mm. like, Mm. I think it would be worth the effort. So I encourage all of you to try it Mm. out and see how it feels like for a day.
1: I hope one of the listeners gives us this feedback. Or just puts out a comment saying, okay, here's what I did for a day and this is what it felt like. And uh, let's hope someone does that. So I look forward to that. If if there's not a lot of response, I would certainly love to do that one day and let you know, here's what happened at the end of the day.
0: I would love to hear back from you, Amar.
1: Certainly. I look forward to that. Until then, goodbye from here. All of you guys. Ranjali, thanks again. You have a nice week ahead. Enjoy yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Bye. And that, my dear friends, was our conversation today with Pranjali from Pune. I hope you enjoyed listening to Pranjali sharing her ideas. Stay tuned in the coming week as I bring you more podcasts and interesting interviews and conversations with people all across India. Like I always say, if you have anyone interesting that I must have a conversation with, please reach out to me on social media, on any platform. Continue to like, continue to subscribe, to share and to spread the word about these podcasts. But most importantly, continue to take good care of yourselves. Until we meet again the next time, this is Amar Kulkarni signing off from 100years.in, brought to you by Radio Room Podcast. Bye-bye.